Well, Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to a Definition Christmas. We are so excited that all of you are here and got to meet a handful of brand new first-time people tonight. And if you're a first-time guest, we want to especially welcome you. So glad that in the midst of the crazy, busy Christmas season, you come to spend the night with us. So thanks for being here. In fact, can we just welcome on Definition, can we welcome all of the first-time guests? Thanks for being a part of our service today. Well, I have a son, his name is Luke, and uh, Luke's 21 years old, he loves to play basketball, and for years he's been following the NBA. And so Luke and I have this ongoing bait, a debate about who is the GOAT, who is the greatest of all time. <laughs> oh, God, you're, you're hurting my heart. See, the problem, the problem with young people today is they've heard about Michael Jordan, they've read about Michael Jordan, but they never saw him play, right? Come on. <laughs> because if you saw him play, you'd know, right? And you know, the same thing is true really about God. A lot of people have heard about God. A lot of people have even read about God. We've got all kinds of ideas about God. The problem is we haven't seen him. Because if we saw him, then we would know. And here's what we'd know. He's better than we think. He's better than we expected, right? And that's what's so beautiful about the incarnation. That's what's so beautiful about the Christmas story, the Christmas message, is God became a man so that we could see him, so that we could understand who God is. And the truth is, when we look in the face of Jesus, what we discover about God is he's better than we expected. Listen to this verse in John chapter 1, verse 14. John says, the word God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the only, one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I love what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1, verse 3, the son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. When we look at Jesus, we see the Father. In fact, Jesus said that, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is God in the flesh. And when we look closely, what we discover is God is better than I expected. As a church this last year, we were studying the person and the life of Jesus. And I want to share with you tonight three things that have really stood out to me this year that I think will be a real encouragement to you as you understand more about who God is. Three big ideas tonight. Here's the first one. And that is that Jesus is full of grace and truth. I love that, right? Because I think most people think God is either a God of grace or a God of truth. But what Jesus showed us is he's full of grace and truth. You know, when you read through the Gospels, and the Gospels are the first 
four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are eyewitness accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. And when you look at the Gospels, I think one of the things that is surprising is who Jesus chose to spend his time with. And the way he loves and relates to people shows you his grace. And I think that's so important for us to understand because I think we have a tendency to try to get Jesus on our side and on our agenda, right? And what I think you discover when you look in the Gospels is that he's not choosing sides. That Jesus came for the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, the white and the black. Jesus came for the Carolina fan and the Duke fan. (laughs) Jesus came for the LeBron people and the Michael people, right? Jesus came for all of us. And listen, you can't hijack Jesus for your agenda. Jesus is not joining your side. In fact, listen, Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over our hearts. He wants to rule and reign in our hearts. When we read through the book of John, I was so surprised. You know, in John chapter 3, Jesus meets with Nicodemus, who is a person of of stature in his community, a Pharisee, a religious leader. But then in chapter 4, he's meeting with a woman who's a Samaritan, who's been married five times and living with a man now. In chapter 5, he meets with a cripple. In chapter 6, he meets with the hungry. In chapter 7, he meets with the thirsty. In chapter 8, he meets with the woman caught in adultery. In chapter 9, he meets with a blind man. In chapter 10, he meets with the lost. In chapter 11, he meets with the dead. When you look at the life of Jesus, what you see is that Jesus came for all of us. One of my favorite verses is Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, where Jesus simply says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what that means? Jesus is saying, I'm king, get on my side, God's closer than you think. Come on, say that with me. Jesus is king, get on God's side, God is closer than you think. One more time. Jesus is king, get on God's side, God is closer than you think. I love that, right? So Jesus is full of grace, but he's also a God of truth. But for Jesus, listen, for Jesus, truth was never a weapon. See, so many times in our culture today, we've taken truth and made it a weapon. For Jesus, truth was never a weapon. Truth was a tool to set our hearts free. I love what Jesus says in John 8, 32. He says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free, right? So Jesus came and he was full of grace and truth, right? So there's a place at the table for you and Jesus wants to set you free. Here's the second thing that I learned that was really kind of surprising about Jesus. And that is that Jesus experienced joy and anger. And again, our tendency is, is some of us think 
Jesus is just happy all the time. And some of us think Jesus is angry all the time. In John chapter 2, I was so surprised to discover where Jesus performed his first miracle. Jesus and the disciples are at a wedding celebration. And the wedding party runs out of wine. Now, I grew up in a tradition where if you run out of wine, all the religious people in the room go, well, serves you right. God probably did that. You shouldn't have been drinking wine in the first place. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, in that moment, Jesus finds 60 gallons of perfectly good water and turns it into the best wine you've ever tasted. Which raises the question, why? Let me tell you why. Because Jesus loves a great wedding celebration. Jesus loves a great love story. You know, the truth is, Jesus is a romantic. When he's at that wedding, what he's thinking about is you and the kind of relationship he wants with you. In fact, one of the primary metaphors throughout the Bible that God uses to describe our relationship with him is the relationship between a husband and a wife. My wife and I have been married 26 years this month, which means we've been married now more years than we hadn't. And I love Tina. I love everything about Tina. I love being with Tina, doing pretty much anything. I love talking to Tina. I love listening to Tina. I love working with Tina. I love playing with Tina. I love vacationing with Tina. I love traveling with Tina. If Tina's there, I like it. What if that was true about your relationship with God? Or better yet, what if you could believe that that's how God feels about you? Come on, let's be honest. That's better than you expected. See, most of us can't really even get our heart and mind around the idea that God is that thrilled, that he loves us, that he desires to be with us that much. But he does. In fact, I love this in Revelation chapter 19. One of the first things that we're gonna do when we get to heaven is God's gonna throw a great big wedding celebration to celebrate our relationship to him. Let me read this to you. Revelation 19 verse six Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean wave or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come, watch, for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride, that's all of us who have trusted in Jesus, his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this down. Make note of this. Don't forget this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast 
of the Lamb. Listen to me. You're invited. You're invited. Jesus is the invitation. Will you receive the invitation? Can you allow yourself to believe that there's a God who loves you that much? You know, the truth is, for so many of us, when we think about God, we think God is angry and withdrawn. And you know, the truth is, God does get angry sometimes. In John chapter 2, Jesus gets angry. It's, it's so funny. The same chapter where Jesus is celebrating at a wedding, just a few verses later, Jesus is mad. But he's not mad at what you think he would be. And he's not mad where you think he would be mad. He didn't get mad at the wedding. He actually got mad at church. John chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says this. This is a shocking picture of Jesus. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Can you imagine? I mean, just think how mad I would have to be. Just think about what that experience would be. I mean, right? Just think if right now I created a whip and I started going nuts and driving all y'all out in this building. Why would Jesus be so mad? You know what makes God mad? Anything that hurts you or stands between you and him. See, the reason in that story Jesus gets so angry is because these money changers, these businessmen had turned worship into an opportunity to make money. And that money-making operation had become a barrier for those who had come to Jerusalem seeking God. And Jesus will go to any lengths to remove any barrier that stands in the way between you and him. You know, that's what the gospel story is all about. Jesus didn't just show up a little cute baby. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he went to the cross and died. And do you know why he died? To remove the barrier of sin that was keeping us away from God. On the third day, he rose in power and glory. Do you know why? To remove the barrier of death that would keep us from living with him forever. See, the thing that makes Jesus mad is anything that keeps you from him. Isn't that good to know? God loves us and, and desires a relationship with us. Here's the third big thing I learned this year is that Jesus is Savior, and therefore my King. This is so important to understand. Jesus is not just another religious leader, teacher, philosopher. Jesus didn't come to, to give us a path. Jesus didn't come to give us some steps. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to be our Savior. He's not a philosopher. He's our Savior. There's a big difference. See, the philosopher says, there's the way. Jesus said, I'm the way. See, religion says, clean yourself up, 
get your act together, take these steps, and then maybe, maybe God will one day accept you. Christianity is actually the opposite of that. Christianity is coming to the place where you realize, I stink at cleaning myself up. I'm not any good at getting my act together. And I agree with all the steps. I'm just terrible at taking them. I need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. See, Jesus came and fulfilled the law because we couldn't. Jesus came and went to the cross because we couldn't. Jesus came and rose from the dead because we couldn't. Jesus came and did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. See, that's Christianity. And that's why we celebrate Jesus at Christmas. It's because Jesus came to give us a relationship with God, eternal life, and to transform our lives. Listen, this is so important. In Christianity, transformation doesn't happen from the outside in, but from the inside out. In Christianity, we don't behave to change our heart. We give our heart to Jesus, and as He heals and changes our heart, our behavior comes right in line. See, so many people, I think, get confused. And they think that Jesus is just, Christianity is just, church is just a, you know, it's just another religious thing, and it's just, it's just rules. Listen, listen, listen. Christianity is about learning to actually be with Jesus, to experience His grace and His truth, to experience His joy and anything that would divide you from Him, to rest in the fact that He is your Savior. See, Christianity is learning to cultivate a daily, moment-by-moment relationship with God. It's to be with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus and then at work and in our homes and on our street and at the gym, we, we actually begin doing what Jesus did. So hopefully you're wondering, how then do I learn to follow Jesus? Man, I wish I could answer that question in like two minutes and that would fix it and you'd be good for now on. But the truth is a relationship with God is, is like any other relationship. You know why my marriage is so great? Because I've been working at it for 26 years. That's a long time. And the same thing is true for our relationship with God. We have to cultivate it. We have to grow it. We have to protect it. We have to invest in it. We have to pour into it. We have to learn how to live with Jesus. And, and the truth is, it doesn't come real natural to us. We're not really great at it. So how do we learn to do this? Well, one of the other metaphors in the Bible that describes our relationship with God is the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. And unfortunately, we're the dumb sheep. <laughs> but as we learn to follow our shepherd, he leads us into new life, abundant life, a blessed life. In John 10, 27, Jesus said this. He said, 
I'm a good shepherd. He's talking about this whole shepherd metaphor in this, in this verse. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. So here's what we're going to do. Beginning in January, now not next week, next, Jan- next week on Sunday, January 1st, we're going to have an online experience. We want you to stay home and enjoy your family. We're not coming. It's a holiday. But the next week on January 8th, we'll be back. And beginning that day, we're going to study Psalm 23 for several weeks. Because Psalm 23 describes what it looks like to follow Jesus, our shepherd. You know this psalm. In fact, let's read it together. Come on, read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, how many of you are on a a relationship like that? Isn't that what we long for? Come on. Last few weeks, we've talked about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, we need some expectation. We need some hope. We need some belief. We, we need to trust that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What if you spent 2023 diligently seeking him, learning to follow your shepherd? And I hope you'll join us for that journey. Now, for some of you, Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to simply open your heart and to receive Christ as your Savior and your King, to receive His forgiveness and grace. I'm going to give you an opportunity with your mouth, your words, to ask Jesus right now to be your Savior and King. You know what the Bible says? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good? So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Nobody looking around. It's just me and you. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Alan, I'm ready. I want to begin a relationship with God today. Or maybe you'd say, you know what? I've been away from the Lord and I'm not really sure about my spiritual condition. I I want to settle it today. Nobody looking around, it's just me and you. But if that's you, would you be so bold to just raise your hand so that I can see it? Would you raise your hand and show me? Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else? Thank you there in the back. Thank you, ma'am. Right there, I see you. Thank you. Thank you right here at the front. 
hand, hands all over the room. Thank you there in the middle. So good. Thank you right here. I see you. I see you. I see you. All right, if you're ready to take that step right there in your seat, let's pray this prayer together, dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I'm opening my heart. I receive you as my Savior and my King. Jesus, I ask you for forgiveness and grace. I receive it by faith. Thank you for loving me. And teach me to follow you every day, the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.